Hi there. This is a quick message to let our listeners know that this podcast is general financial advice only, meaning it is not specific to you, your needs, goals or objectives. So don't act on this information until you've spoken to your professional financial advisor. You'll find our full disclaimer linked to our financial services guide and website in the show notes. It's certainly been an interesting start in markets for 2023. And one of the first events in the calendar was Q4 earnings season. To talk us through results, we have partner and senior investment analyst, Hayden Potgater, and partner and portfolio manager, Jeremy Gibson. Jeremy and Hayden sat down to have a conversation about the highlights from earnings season and discuss key results and announcement the investment team took notice of. Just as a reminder, this podcast contains the views of the team that were current at the time of recording. They may change and is not advice. Over to you, Hayden. Hey, Jeremy, what were the key takeaways from this earnings season? Thanks, Hayden. Yeah, so the key takeaways were that earnings are contracted on a year-on-year basis in Q4 for the first time since 2020. Margins were the driver of this negative earnings per share. This has led to a wave of job cut announcements, particularly in big tech. Google, Microsoft, Salesforce, all cutting in the thousands, which equated to around 5 to 10% of workforces. Investors are focused on guidance for the full year and the next quarter and have largely looked through the weakness as they can say the cuts are in and we can look forward to the recovery for those stocks with multiples that are low versus history. The big buzzword from this earnings season was AI. This came about from the incredibly successful launch of ChatGPT at the end of last year and then with the Microsoft investment and product launch of the new Bing search engine. This was a key topic throughout earnings season and AI cuts across many of our areas of interest from digital enterprise, high performance compute to internet disruption. Hyden, tell us your thoughts on the Microsoft and Apple product launches and how we're thinking about AI in general. Yeah, so before I do that, maybe I'll just contextualize what's actually happened here a little bit. A company called OpenAI launched ChatGPT in late November last year. And for those who don't know what ChatGPT is, it's like a super Google search that uses natural language AI to generate responses to questions and statements in a human-like manner. So why is the market excited about all this? So a lot of the excitement in the investor community was being driven by the extrapolation of the different applications that this ChatGPT AI could have on different industries and different applications. So the obvious being obviously the effectiveness that it could have on customer service through chatbots, content creation, and maybe the less obvious areas such as writing code and software development. So then when looking at ChatGPT for us, there are two obvious beneficiaries initially. The first and most obvious beneficiary is Microsoft, who have partnered and invested in OpenAI for the last three years now. In late January, they announced that they'll be extending this partnership and taking a bigger stake in the company in exchange for exclusivity with ChatGPT. Microsoft benefits from this relationship in three key ways. They integrate AI into their suite of Office products and eventually gives them the ability to charge more for this Office suite. They're going to use OpenAI's products to enhance their search offering in Bing and ultimately become more competitive with, within the search engine space. Finally, and the most material to earnings near term, Microsoft's Azure will be the exclusive cloud provider for all of OpenAI's workloads. Given AI is such a data and compute heavy tool, this will be pretty significant tailwind for Microsoft's cloud business into the foreseeable future. Secondly, we see Google benefiting as well. So in response to OpenAI's launch of ChatGPT, Google launched their own AI product, a chatbot called Bard, which was built on their existing large language model named Lambda. 
The company made it clear that they'd be investing to compete with ChatGPT, and we think that given the vast amounts of natural language data that Google have built over the years, they have a fair shot of developing a tool that's as effective, if not more effective, than ChatGPT. And then to tie this all to the performance of these stocks over the past two months, these stocks have all traded well through most of January and most of February, with buy and sell siders like us trying to size the potential impact that AI could have on earnings for both companies into the next two to three years. Great. Thanks, Harden. And the high-performance compute area of interest is the other big winners that we're excited about in this AI race. They are seen as the picks and shovels in the gold rush. Harden, who are the names that we're focused on here? Yeah, we definitely see semiconductors as the ultimate beneficiary in AI longer term. And I think ASML frames the opportunity quite well. They tell us that the semiconductor market did around $600 billion in sales in 2021, and it took the industry around 40 years to grow to that size. They project that the market will need to double to $1.3 trillion by 2030. So what this means is the market will need to grow the size that it took 40 years over the next 10 years. And much of this will be driven by AI being the key mega trend of this growth. So I guess, how does this benefit some of the stocks that we look at and follow? So we're obviously going to need more semiconductors made across both memory and logic. So the semiconductor capital equipment providers like ASML should definitely benefit. We're also going to need much more compute power. So that's going to need more GPUs and winners such as NVIDIA and AMD in this space are going to benefit from that. And then lastly, it's obvious that all of these big hyperscalers will need to invest even more than they're currently investing to build out their data center and server capacity. So in our view, AMD will be the key beneficiary to the structural growth trend in data center spend here as well. What are some other exciting areas to come out of earnings season thus far, Jeremy? So China reopening was a key theme and that we found particularly interesting. So in terms of how we think about playing that, we're really focused on the emerging consumer stocks particularly the luxury goods names such as Richemont. They missed Q4 earnings based on sharp China lockdowns in December. Sales for Richemont in China was down 24%. But positive commentary, with China posting positive sales growth in January, led to strong rallies in the stocks as the market looked forward to upside to earnings estimates on the back of China reopening. The other thing we like about luxury goods is they're a good inflation hedge. Given their high gross margins and pricing power, they only need to raise price by a small amount to cover any inflation in the costs of goods sold. They're also very earnings resilient in a recession because of their customer base being more high net worth individuals. The other thing that came about from China was there seemed to be a dissipating geopolitical tension with the US. Hayden, how are we thinking about that? So the stock that we've liked and invested in longer term has been TSMC. They'll also benefit from all this spend in AI as a key foundry leader. In the world, we've not owned them more recently based on China political tensions, but we've recently reinvested into the stock as these tensions have started to ease. The other big AOI we're focused on is climate change. How did those names perform during earnings season, Harden? Yeah, so a key holding for us in the climate change AI is Tesla. We obviously like Tesla longer term because of the benefit they get from the shift to the electric vehicle. And we see them as a leader there across vehicles and across the, bat- the battery. The stock has recently gone through a bad period of concerns over demand weakness and possible potential impact that that could have on deliveries. In response in the last quarter, the company cut prices across their four models. Consequently, the company stated that order intake in January was actually at record high and that orders grew at double the rate of production over the same period of time. So we like this stock. We think that demand weakness has been overblown and those concerns 
will soon dissipate. The next key catalyst for the stock is their capital market stay on 1st of March, where we're looking to any incremental information or targets around delivery and margin profile, and any more color that could provide on new model releases, software capability, and the outlook for their storage businesses longer term. So Tesla fits into our clean transport sub AOI. The other area there that we like is the EV batteries, as there's a tightness in supply in the market. The name we like here is Samsung SDI. Their strategy is to sign profitable contracts and JVs with OEMs rather than chasing volumes. We expect them to sign more partnerships in the US in the next one to three months, which we see as acting as a positive catalyst. Awesome. And pulling it all together, Jeremy, in terms of the three key signposts that we're looking for, what's the roadmap for earnings from here? So just to recap, the three key signposts are interest rates peaking. And what we th- when we talk about interest rates, we're talking about the US 10-year bond yield, which we think has peaked. Time. And so when we think about time, we're, we're talking about how long a bear market usually lasts for. And that typically lasts for around the 12-month mark, which is where we are at, where we are at today. And the last one, which you mentioned, is earnings downgrades. And so typically in a bear market, the earnings will be downgraded by around 20%. Currently, the S&P 500 earnings have been downgraded by around 6%, but the market typically looks forward and rebounds before the end of the downgrade cycle. And so we're not far off that. That in conjunction with the China reopening, we're really excited about the opportunities ahead. Thanks, Jez, and thanks for listening. Thank you. We hope you enjoyed the episode and to learn more about any of the areas of interest mentioned in the episode, head to our website at www.monroepartners.com.au.